book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Love to see people reaching for their Bibles. Hebrews chapter 2. As we look at this passage together tonight, um, I'm thinking a little bit about our theme, knowing the time. If you didn't hear Sunday morning's message, we talked about our theme for this, this year. Paul wrote to the Romans and basically said it's time to wake up, knowing the time that is now high time to awake out of sleep. It's high time to wake up. And he's talking to believers and um, and so I really believe we're getting, in, in this day that we live in, we're kind of getting some wake-up calls, I believe personally. I believe churches are getting wake-up calls. I think um, believers are getting wake-up calls. You know, one of the purposes of trials is to show us what, where we are. You know, when a trial comes to my life and... And I react the wrong way. It wasn't, I didn't react the wrong way because of the trial. I reacted the wrong way because of where I am spiritually. And so trials are, they're tests. That's what a trial is. It's a test. And that's why I called it the, the, the fiery trials that, that try us. And I think, I think uh, in America, I think we ought to be getting a wake-up call. I, you know, this, this is nothing new. And this is certainly not... Um, earth-shaking information, but people have a tendency to just sort of put it in neutral and glide as long as they can. And, if nothing, and, and it's really difficulties and afflictions and trials that shake up the norm. And, and, it, and they are wake-up calls. They should be for us. And so I see it in our country we're not, you know, we've been seeing this coming for a long time, this drift towards socialism. And we ought to be concerned about those things. These, we're, not, we're not just talking about inconveniences or being a red or blue person. We're talking about, we're talking about life. We're talking about our liberties. We're talking about a lot of stuff, major things. And you know what a lot of people do? They don't even, like that big election yesterday. A lot of people didn't even bother to go vote. You know, shame on us. And so I'm just saying we need to wake up. And um, so, so that's a part of what this passage is about. It's really a warning in Hebrews chapter 2. And with that in mind, let's stand together and we'll read beginning in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. And that's really what I want to talk about tonight is letting things slip. We ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Not reward of good things, but reward in judgment. Every 
transgression and disobedience, received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. You may be seated. (coughs) So we're going to talk about this matter of letting things slip. And first thing I want to do, though, is just kind of slowly walk through this passage, these four verses, and not look at every word, but just just grasp the general meaning and the first one just really sets the stage or sounds the alarm for what the writer of Hebrews is cautioning the readers, and that includes us, about. And that is giving, verse 1, look at it, giving the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. So let's just think about that phrase and what that means in our life. Giving the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard. So it's a matter of how we hear, right? Right? It's the matter about the way we listen. Listen to what? We're listen, what have we heard? What are the things we've heard? We've heard the word of God. We've heard the principles of God's word. We've heard God's commands. We've heard God's, uh, God's love, his gifts. We heard, we've heard a lot about God. And by the way, our faith is built upon what God says. It's not built upon personalities or opinions. It's, not, it's built on what God says. That's the, that's the foundation of our faith, and, and he says we need to give the most earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Now, I'm for learning new things. I'm for getting new insights. But he says you need to take the most earnest heed to what you have heard, the things you are already have heard. And so it's not just a matter of hearing. It's a matter of how we hear. Let's think about those three words, the most earnest heed. That means serious, intentional, listening, and learning. And that's what we're doing tonight, right? Serious, intentional, listening, and learning. We're not just here to occupy time. We're not just here because we have to be here. We're here to learn. And um, so this, this book, by the way, is this entire book, but especially the New Testament and the principles and concepts of discipleship, It's written to learners. If a person comes to church without a desire to learn, they're missing something. We're not just here to see our friends. We're not just here, you know, because, you know, if we're here, we're using the church's electricity and not ours. We're here to learn. And so he's talking about how we learn. And then he says them, give earnest heed in verse 1. And then the second part of that sentence is lest... At any time, we should let them slip. Now, what what is it that we what is it that we would let slip? And he's and it's the things we've heard. Take the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. It's it's possible that the things that we've heard will slip. Matter of fact, we see it all around us. These things that we've heard just slipping away. We could let them slip. Now, what does it mean to let them slip? Um, It carries the meaning of of holding something like in your hand and then you let it 
go from your grasp. Or maybe you have a handful of sand and you let it just slip out of your fingers. And that's really the basic meaning. Uh, one, uh, re- one reference says that it's, it's like running out as a leaking vessel, like it's letting things slip away from you, letting the water slip away from you. And not, if you study this passage in commentaries and what people think it, the application of it is, that it's like, it's like letting something drift by or slip away. You know, um, if you could, it'd be like you picture yourself sitting in a boat, sitting in the boat, let's say on the Merrimack or the Burbus or the Gasconade, same point. If you're sitting in a boat, but you're just, you're just sitting there, you're not anchored, you're not tied to, the, to anything, a pier or a, a tree or the land, and you just sit there and you just sort of drift. You start to drift a little bit. And that's really, you're letting it, you're slipping away. You're letting that slip away. And that's really, all these things are about what he's warning them. Take heed, take earnest heed, lest the things you've heard, you let them slip. And you know, you know what it takes. And if you if you're sitting, you wouldn't have to be in a boat. You wouldn't have to even be in a moving water. You could be in a lake and sitting in a boat and just sit there, and without even realizing, you could gradually be moving away from the shore. Just you know what you have to do to drift? Nothing. Just sit there. By the way, if you do nothing in your spiritual life, you're drifting. I mean, if you say, "Well, I'm not. I'm not reading. I'm not praying. I'm not studying." I'm not witnessing, I'm not engaging people, I'm not in discipleship, I'm just kind of doing nothing. Well, I'll tell you, you're not just doing nothing, you're slipping. (laughs) Because you don't have to do anything to slip. And uh, that's why so much in the Bible has to do with, I'm going to look at some examples of this, has to do with holding on to what you've got, holding on to what you've learned. Because if you don't, you're going, you may let them slip. Let's look up a few verses. Hold your finger here, uh, place in Hebrews 2. And go with me, if you would, uh, first of all, to the book of Titus. Uh, just go a little, few pages to the left. Uh, Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. This is Paul writing to Titus. It's one of the pastoral epistles. Titus was training people for the ministry And look what he says about pastors in verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So what does he tell us? What are you to do with the things you've been taught? Maybe your mom and dad taught you Bible principles. Maybe your Sunday school teacher has taught you Bible principles. Principles. Maybe you've learned Bible principles from listening to the preacher. What do you do with those Bible principles? You're to hold fast to them. That's what it says, holding fast the faithful word. Now, if you would, go to the left just a little bit to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 13. Paul is writing to Timothy, a pastor, another one of the pastoral epistles. And he says in verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. Now why would you have to hold on to it? Why do you have to hold on to it? If you've got it, if you've heard it, if you've learned it, why do you have to hold on to it? Because we have a tendency to let things slip. So he says you need to, and by the way, this is a preacher. 
Don't think for a minute preachers don't let things slip. Paul said to him, you need to hold on to what you've heard me say and, and not to let it slip. Uh, we're in 2 Timothy. Go to the left a little bit, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 2 and verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word or our epistle, whether I taught you in person or whether you read it in a letter. He had already written one letter to them, 1 Thessalonians. He says, you need to stand fast and you need to hold on to them. Hold on to them. Do you see the, do you see the continual uh, examples here of why, we, why things can slip? We need, to, we need to hold fast the faithful word. We need to hold fast the form of sound words. Here he says, you need to hold the traditions. Uh, one more place. Go to the left a little bit more to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Now, in every one of these examples, I see the similar uh, admonition, warning, command, charge. When you hear something, learn it and hold on to it. You need to hold on to it. Why? Because the devil's going to try to take it away or the, the inclination of the flesh is to let it pass by the wayside, there's a danger of letting things that we have heard slip away. Now, there are currents. Go back to the illustration of the water in the boat. There are currents that are constantly trying to draw us away from truth. And one of them is time, just time itself. You know, you hear something, you learn something. If you don't hold on to it, you have a tendency to let it drift or let it slip even in our devotion to Christ Jude that small little book of Jude one of the things that Jude says when he begins the only chapter the first chapter with a charge to to hold on to the things that we've learned contending for the faith that we're to not just any faith, but the faith once delivered to the saints. And he's talking about apostasy, and he's talking about those things. And then the latter part of that chapter, he says this. Think about these words. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're to keep ourselves in such a place that God would love us? No, because God loves us no matter what place we're in. He loved us when, while we were yet sinners. He died for us, right? What does it mean to keep yourself in the love of God? It means you keep, you keep yourself loving God. Why? Because we have a tendency to let things slip. And, and let's just be honest. We're in church. At least once this week we should be honest. Most, many people could say, I have to, I, I realize sometimes that I just don't love the Lord like I once loved him or I don't love God like I know I ought to love him. And you could say that never happens to anybody. I think it happens to everybody. And whose job is it to keep yourself in love with God? It's your job. Keep yourself. Why? Because we have a tendency to slip. 
teenagers could, most of them, some of them, could probably, you know, identify with this. They go off to some conference or camp and, and you know, a lot of teenagers are there and they're doing fun things, but they're hearing preaching in the morning and preaching in the afternoon and preaching at night and, and a lot of preaching and God's working in their heart and they, they get their heart right and they get fired up and they come back to church and you give them a chance to be, give a testimony and they say, all you people need to get right with God. I've heard them do it lots of times and there's nothing wrong with that. But then in a few weeks, they're all back to normal. You can't live at camp all the time. You can't live at the conference all the time. The Word of God, the, the Bible, commands us to hold on to the things that we've learned and to keep ourselves in the love of God, keep ourselves loving God. You, you show me somebody who does not take the Bible seriously, personally, individually, reading the Bible, learning the Bible, Spending time with God in the Bible, and I'll show you someone who is or will soon be slipping. It's just natural. And you could say, well, I just wish it wasn't that way. Well, you can wish it wasn't that way all day long, but it's still going to be that way. And you know what our job is? Our job is to hold fast. Our job is to earnestly, as the writer of Hebrews says, earnestly heed to the things which we have heard. So just time in itself causes things to sort of slip away. Or um, spiritual negligence or even spiritual opposition. Let me get, take a little qu uh, pop quiz. Who is it that in the Bible, Jesus warned, tries to snatch away the seed of the word of God. Who is that? It's the devil. The parable of the sower. And he says that one, some, one of the seed, some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air, the fowls of the air come and steal it away. And when he explained it, he said that's what the devil tries to do. God tries to put something good in you and the devil tries to take it away. It's like a spiritual tug of war. But the problem is with a lot of Christians is they're not holding fast. Like you can't have that. You know, if I were to give one of you teenagers a $1,000 bill and put it in your hand and then try to take it out of your hand, you would do everything in your power to keep me from getting it. But if I give you a Bible lesson that could help change the rest of your life, we don't take that quite as seriously as we do that $1,000 bill. We're, if God's given you something, we ought to hold on to it. You say, what does this have to do with knowing the time? I think one of the things that it, it would be prudent for us to understand is that, that there's an all-out assault on the Word of God, not just in our country, not just in our world, but in your life. And we need to learn to hold on to it. And sometimes we need a wake-up call because things we've heard, we've let slip. Things we've heard, we've let, it sort of gets foggy after a while. Now, older people in this room probably cannot relate to what I'm about to say. But I can relate to it. Things you learned and knew well when you were a kid, you probably don't have as good a handle on that today as you did then. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, my junior year in high school, I took geometry. 
and I, for whatever reason, I love geometry. And uh, when we had our final exam for the year, I aced it. I made 100 on my geometry final. Now, if you ask me to do anything in geometry today, there's not one thing I would know. By the way, the principles of geometry have not changed. What's changed is my recollection of them. And you learn things as a child, as a teenager, as an adult. You learn things from the Bible. You learn it because it's in the Bible. But if you don't hold on to it, you'll lose it. You'll lose it somewhere down the road or you'll let it slip. And so this is a warning. It's a wake-up call. And he he tells them in verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, it was immovable, it did not change, it did not alter. By the way, God's word never changes. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Every, Every sin, every time there was a sin, they had to answer consequences for that sin. And he says, he says, you need to hold on to what you've, you've you've gotten because every time someone disobeys there are going to be consequences for it if I could paraphrase that and then he says in verse 3 the sentence from verse 2 continues into verse 3 if the angels had this this happen verse 3 how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation now he's going to talk about salvation I want to read over again in verse 3 and 4 So great salvation, which at the first, the first declaration of it, began to be spoken by the Lord himself, Jesus in the Gospels, giving us the gospel, the good news of salvation. And, verse 3, was confirmed unto us, the writer of Hebrews says. This truth was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Jesus began to give them this gospel message And those that heard the message, they confirmed these truths to us. Verse 4, God also, talking about the apostle and the apostolic gifts, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. I'm not going to get into this, but just to say it again because it's in the scripture and I don't want to miss it. The purpose of the signs and the wonders of the apostolic gifts was not just for the sake of signs and wonders and miracles. It was to confirm the word of God until the revelation was completed. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't still work miracles, but there are no miracle workers like there were in the apostolic era. And so he's saying, so the warning though is to us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Um... Now, we need to be careful, and I want to make an application of salvation in a minute, but we need to be careful not to let things that, we slip, things that we've heard slip. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood. There are times, and I'm, I, could, I could testify to this personally, there are times when as we grow and we learn and we study the Bible and God opens up things and God shows us things, we get a better understanding of things. There are things that we may believe differently now than we did when we first believed, right? I mean, most of us could say that's true about something. Um, But in many cases, people 
as though they go down the road, not all, maybe not even most, maybe most, but in many cases, people don't change down the road because they get a better understanding of the Bible. Often they change because they're letting things slip that they once learned. And so there's a difference in that. No one ever just naturally, that's me, that's you, that's everybody. Nobody ever naturally without effort just gets a better and better understanding of the Bible. Just like nobody, if you, you know, if you threw your little brother into the river, I'm not suggesting you do that, but if you did, they're not going to naturally drift upstream, right? They're going to go with the flow. And by the way, that's what a lot of people are doing doctrinally. They're just going with the flow. They're in many cases abandoning what they learned from the Bible for the sake of convenience because it's not easy to swim upstream. You've got to work at it every day. If it's go, especially if it's going against the culture and it's going against trendy stuff, whatever the case may be. So I was thinking about this today in relation to this passage. You know, Jesus described what it would be like in the days that he would come back. And this is how he described people. Eating and drinking, giving and mar- marrying, giving in marriage. You know, we're just living life, going through, doing things, being, just enjoying life and not really aware of what was taking place. And I think that sometimes describes even professing Christians. They're just going through life, enjoying what everybody else enjoys and not even aware. That's why I think back of this matter of knowing the time. It's high time we awake out of our sleep. We need, to, we need to take our spiritual life seriously. Now, to wrap this up, how can we practically apply this to our life? And at the, First of all, and I've, I've emphasized this enough, but we need to take what we hear seriously. We need to take God's word seriously. Not, just, not even just the fact that it's truth, but how should it be used in my life? Give the more earnest heed. Um, You know, I've had conversations with uh, school students numerous times over the years, this conversation. Um, And usually it's not because they're making straight A's, usually. But I'll say, uh, let me just ask you this. How seriously are you taking your studies? How seriously are you taking the videos you're watching? How seriously are you doing your homework? And usually, you, almost without exception, the answer is, well, I could be doing a lot more. That wasn't any of your children, of course. That was other people's children. Um, you know why? Because it's easy to sit and just let your mind drift to put off what you should be learning not to, not to really try to retain truth. How ser- And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about history now or grammar. I'm talking about Bible truths. How seriously do we take them? And if, if history teaches us anything, there are probably people, young people, maybe not even young people, but there are probably people that are 
sitting here tonight that unless something happens to get you seriously engaged in your spiritual growth, then there's going to come a day when you're not sitting here. And you may be even raising a family that's not coming to church. You know what I'm saying? It happens. And you know what, you, and you know what happens a lot of times? Is at that point, people then try to get serious about getting their act, act together. You know what I think would be a better plan? Get serious about getting your act together today. Your spiritual life, your spiritual growth. One of the concerns that I keep hearing from preachers and either in person or in on social media somewhere is that people who once took Bible attendance, church attendance, I should say, so seriously, but through now because of the COVID thing, now it's not near as serious. And I'm not blamed on COVID, but this is how things happen. This is the way life happens. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it does. A person, you know, qu quits coming for a while or starts watching it online or a person, you know, whatever. I know people have to miss because of their job or things like that. But sometimes it just becomes a part of the, you know, it's, it's the way life is. When you let something pass or you go along with it one time, the next time you, it'll be easier for you to go along with it. And the next time, it'll be easier to go along with it. That's just like you, you make a serious commitment. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And you start off, say, I'm going to read my Bible every day this year. And then you miss a day and you get back on track and you miss another day. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself, you, had, you started with this strong desire. I'm going, to read my, I'm going to get in the Bible every day of my life. And then you just let it slip. And then you know what? Then it's gone. And it's not gone because it was a bad idea. It's not gone because God doesn't want you to get in your body. It's gone because you let it slip. We have to take responsibility for these things. So we have to take what we hear seriously. Now, in this passage, I believe specifically in this passage, he's talking about the matter of salvation, the truths of the gospel. Because he clearly says in verse Three, if you've heard about this great salvation which the Lord himself began to teach us and it was confirmed by those who heard him teach it and God bearing them witness with miracles and he says, how are, we, how are you going to escape? How are you going to escape if you neglect so great salvation? And the answer to that is obvious. You're not going to. It's a hypothetical situation or rhetorical question. You're not going to escape. I'm not saying this is true of anybody in this room, but if you, sit, if you sit in a place like this and you hear the gospel and you know what Jesus did for you and you know the consequences of rejecting him and you know there's eternal damnation in hell for everybody that's not born again and you know all these things and yet you don't accept it, do you think for a moment that God's just going to say, well, I understand, he just really, you know, we'll just give him a pass. No, you don't get a pass like that. How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? It's not my salvation, it's God's salvation, right? So in, if specifically, it's talking about the matter of salvation, but I think the principle applies generally for truth for all of us in this matter of taking truth seriously. We ought to take God's word seriously. If there was something... 
that your mom or dad believed and emphasized to you and said, this is what we believe as Christians. Or you hear it from this pulpit or your, your youth director, uh, Brother Hope, teaches this. Or, and you say, well, I just, you know, I'm just not sure I believe that. And stay with me. I'm not sure I believe that. Then what should you do? Here's what some people do. They go through life saying, I'm not sure I believe that. Here's what you should do. You should get your Bible out and get into the Bible or maybe talk to your parents or talk to Brother Hoke and say, look, I'm not sure I get this. Please show me. Help me understand what the Bible says. But you know what people do? They say, well, I'm not sure I believe that. Like that's somehow get out of, get out of jail or whatever. Pass. No, we need, to, we, need to, we need to take the Bible seriously. These are the words of God. And, and people let things slip. I mean, you just think in your mind. Maybe it's happened to you or maybe someone you know. The, one time they t- took a firm position, a firm doctrinal position on something from the Scripture. Maybe they discovered it themselves. Maybe they heard someone teach it, but they said, I believe that. I, I believe that. I hold that position, and now they don't hold that position anymore. Has that ever, you ever seen that happen? I've seen it happen lots of times. And it's easy to say, well, you know, I'm not sure that's really what it taught anyway. And maybe that's true. But maybe it's just you let something slip. Right? And it happens. I, I, I regret, you know, the situations I've seen in people's lives, in preachers' lives. I mean, these, some of these admonitions were to preachers, you know, just letting things slip. So, you know, if you were sitting in a boat and you thought you were by the shore and you're daydreaming or maybe taking a little siesta and then you look up and you're 30, 40, 50, 100 feet from shore, it'd be kind of a wake-up call, wouldn't it? How did I get here? How did this happen? Well, that's that's exactly, I think, what the writer of Hebrews is describing. That's how it happens, little by little, just drifting, drifting spiritually. And it takes a wake-up call sometimes for people to change because there's something about human nature that just enjoys the lack of resistance and challenge and just going with the flow. But I'm telling you, that's usually not the best path. The path of least resistance is usually not the wisest path to be on. And I'm addressing this to everyone, but I'm especially mindful of young people tonight, a lot of young people here. You know, if you, have, if you have friends and those friends aren't serious about the Bible, I want to tell you something. If you've got several friends and you're around them regularly on a regular basis, day after day, maybe several times a week, and maybe you go on activities together, and, you, and no one ever mentions anything about God or the Bible or, or growing in Christ, you ought to have reason to question your friendships. Because you say, well, you're talking about adult stuff. No, I'm talking about Christian stuff. Christian stuff. Christians ought to care about the things of God. Right? Absolutely. 
and some of the and older Christians, mature Christians, ought to be helping younger Christians grow in the things of God. And that, that's, that's common sense. That's biblical discipleship. And if you're not, you're slipping, drifting. You say, well, I don't really feel it. You don't have to feel it. The Bible, the, the Bible guidelines are not about feelings. Aren't you glad? Because I've felt lousy for days. <laughs> it's not about how you feel. It's about faith, about obeying God, about doing what God wants us to do. And so tonight, I want to stop at that and just say, you know, do you ought to examine yourself? Let's examine ourselves and ask ourselves, number one, are, we, are, we, are there things that we're letting slip? And are we taking, as the Bible says, giving the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard? Are we holding fast to those things? And if you're not saved... May God rattle your cage, amen, and shake you up about your salvation. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much, Lord, tonight for your word, and thank you for the warning, the admonition, the caution that we find here in the second chapter of Hebrews. Lord, for the reminder to take Give the more earnest heed to the things that we've learned, things we've heard. May we take it seriously. May we take your word seriously and not let things slip. And I pray tonight, Lord, especially if there's a man or woman, boy or girl here tonight that's not saved. God, I pray that as only you can, that, Lord, you'd bring conviction and concern into their heart. And I pray for those of us who are saved, Lord, help us to take our spiritual growth as seriously as we should.